curled up on your couch with a blanket and your favorite drink, you plug away at your work. Your train of thought is interrupted by an email notification from Linda in HR. She sent you a survey to fill out, and if you don't do it now, you'll completely forget about it later. You glance at the email, click the link, and suddenly your laptop screen goes black. Your heart sinks as the screen flickers. <laughs> a laughing skull appears on the screen with the words, send $5,000 in Bitcoin to this wallet and we'll unlock your computer. One of the biggest changes out of the pandemic was the rise in remote work. Overnight, companies had to shift their entire operations so that employees could work from home. From shopping to investing to learning, we embrace the convenience of the online world out of necessity. But now, as we move into a post-pandemic world, we haven't stopped embracing the convenience. Which is good news for cyber criminals. More people online means more targets. And like companies adapting to remote work, scammers have updated their techniques. I'm Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality a podcast that explores how technology is shaping our world and the future we're headed towards. Today, I'm updating my antivirus software. Right, we can go into our, what's called a social engineering toolkit. This is what we use to fish employees to see if they're clicking on links they're not supposed to. But obviously the bad guys can use the same tools. But I can actually clone a website in under a minute. Meet Terry Cutler. I'm a cybersecurity expert or ethical hacker, if you will. And I'm the founder of Sciology Labs here in Montreal. Sciology Labs is the data defense firm Terry founded to help organizations mitigate cyber infiltration and data theft. His team has a collective 50 years of experience, which is knowledge that comes in handy when you're trying to combat the constantly evolving world of cybercrime. After, after high school, I kind of dropped out of college and went into specialized training courses that specialized in softwares and security that I, that I want to specialize in. And uh, in 2005, I had the opportunity to train with the FBI and the CA in Washington. So there was a course called the Certified Ethical Hacker, where they teach you the same techniques that the bad guys use to break in, except for using those skills for good. With that opportunity of, of learning how and why hackers are getting in, I felt it was my duty to share my knowledge with the general public. Well, what I've learned over the last 15 plus years is that businesses and individuals don't care about cybersecurity until it's too late. You know, we've been seeing the scams evolve and getting harder to detect over the last you know, 10 years. But over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, uh, when everybody was forced to work from home, it forced a lot of companies to go into digital transformation. So it was not, it was not part of their plan, but work from home really transformed their business. At the time, most companies were protecting their employees behind their corporate firewalls and such. But now with these people working from home, uh, they're, they're being protected by their Best Buy router. Now the scammers have found ways to easily bypass that and, and gain access to their computer, which allowed them to jump into the organization. I get hundreds of calls a year from individuals, especially like uh, that have been hit with scams. And I put together a video series uh, and a course that has today just over 39,000 students in it wrote a book that became a best-selling uh, Amazon bestseller. And now I have the Fraudster app. This app now will allow me to push notify these users of the latest scams to watch out for. If for some reason you find yourself in your email spam inbox, you've probably seen some interesting emails. 
weird email addresses, wonky spellings, and strange asks with sketchy links. Of course, you wouldn't click on those links. You're internet savvy enough to know that it's not a Nigerian prince or a long-lost cousin who needs financial support. But online scams have evolved beyond these. Scammers have gotten more sophisticated and it's becoming an industry in and of itself. Hell, there's people selling phishing website templates. I know that they're getting a lot more sophisticated and harder to actually spot. Like, it's not just the stereotypical romance, um, click this link scams that you see in emails anymore. We talk about the romance scam. There was a woman that contacted me. I actually wrote a two-part blog about it. Uh, she messaged me out of the blue saying, are you the Terry Cutler hitting on me? I was like, uh, okay, I don't know what this is all about. I replied back to her, found out that somebody was using my pictures and the pictures of my kids to scam a woman out of 60,000 bucks in Portugal. She was part of a romance scam. You know, she was the, you know, she fell in love with my good looks and superhero body. She, uh, she ended up falling for the scam. And then uh, obviously that money's gone because the, 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 you know, the, the, that money, that money was transferred and that was the end of it. Yeah. Romance scams are, I don't know. I feel like the most predatory ones just because they're really toying with someone's emotions and also their bank account. What are some of the other common scams that people will come across that will lead them into these traps and end up giving away their life savings? There's a bunch of them. So a lot of people lost their jobs, obviously, during the pandemic. And there was a lot of fake job offer scams that came around. There was a, uh, there was a large retailer that was, that was doing a mass hiring. And uh, people can apply. But what happened was the, the scammers found out about that and created their own little campaign as well that mimicked or impostered that company. And what happened is you're applying at the fake company now. And they would come around and say, yeah, okay, this is great. Um, you know, we're, we're, we think you're a good fit. We want to hire you, but you need to buy some equipment. And they would actually send you a fake invoice of the computer you got to buy. So let's say the, the computer is worth $1,200 or 2000 bucks. You'd actually pay that invoice. And next year, there's no job. You just pay $2,000 and there's no laptop coming to you. The quotes and everything look completely legit. In fact, that's how I was able to spot some of these things because I work with uh, some of these vendors. So that's how I knew their quote was not real. The other scams they fall for a lot is online shopping. Um, they think that these big brands like Nike or, or Tefal, uh, you know, the pots and pans company, they, um, you know, the one, one, one ad was going around saying, oh yeah, Walmart is selling their $200 pans for three bucks. And next, you know, you, you try to order online, you're ordering from the wrong site. And next, you know, you, they've lost money there too. Yeah, the online shopping uh, scams are really, really tough to find. Because what they're doing now also, especially on, on the, if we look at the business side, they're hacking into legitimate companies. And they're using their email system to email and scam you. And the reason for this is because it bypasses all the, 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 the anti-spam checkers. And if you try to do any research on the domain, it actually comes out legit. So they're using legitimate companies to hack them and, and jump, use them as a jump point to attack you. Wow, I didn't realize that that was happening. They hack into legitimate companies and then use their email list to target people is what you're saying. Yep. Exactly. Now, the concept of remote work is nothing new. Pre-pandemic, it was slowly starting to take form with some companies. Slowly. 
4 to 6% of companies in the US offered remote work. Usually the argument was that employees just can't do their jobs from home. It has to be done in an office. When everything shut down, that was quickly proven false, with 20 to 30% of companies shifting to remote work. Since then, employees have embraced working from home, realizing how much better their work-life balance is and how much time and money they can save by not having to spend their time commuting. Social media is loaded with videos of people refusing to return to the office after two years of working from home. Unfortunately, I will not be able to return to the office full-time. Oh, why not? Oh, because I don't want to. The toothpaste has been squeezed out of the tube, and there's no putting it back. Of course, while employees and companies are adapting to this new world, so are scammers. I'll give you a real example again. We had a, uh, an insurance company that got hacked. This was a small insurance company. And this guy's uh, exchange, uh, sorry, not his exchange, but his Outlook client got hacked. And what happened was it took all of its contact lists and started emailing all of them. So obviously in their contact list, they had all their, all their customers. So they started emailing all the customers uh, links to some uh, some PDF files that said, hey, you know, here's your latest invoice. And then they opened it. But when they did that, it started launching malicious softwares into those customers. And now some people actually got got attacked and got infected. And now they, they have to pay like, you know, $20,000, $30,000 for a big cleanup bill. And what are they going to do with this? It's not their fault. It's the insurance company that got hacked. So now they're trying to send them the bill to clean this up. But at the same time, if you look at the customer that got infected, why did he get infected? Because the issue here is they think that, well, I have an antivirus, I have a firewall, I have encryption, I'm safe. But these are what's called traditional technologies. There, there's so many ways to bypass this stuff now. And once hackers get past that traditional cybersecurity and they're inside the company, a lot of companies don't have the technology in place to, to detect that there's a hacker in there. And that's why a lot of hackers now, they stay undetected for about 286 days. Once they do get detected, uh, they have no response plan to get the attacker out. So that's the attacker's goal is to stay undetected for as long as possible so you can siphon out your data. If a company gets hit with a ransomware and their IT guys are able to recover them with, the, with, the, with their backups and everything, well, now the attackers have a copy of your data. They could say, listen, if you don't pay me this money, I'm going to leak your data to the public and you're going to hit with regulatory fines, maybe some lawsuits, depending on how sensitive your data is. So it's like a double extortion happening. <laughs> Crazy. And it makes me not want to be online, um, especially since, as you said, they're, they're able to get around traditional uh, traditional technologies that we kind of rely on to protect us. Well, it gets worse because what's happening is the attackers now are using what's called living off the land techniques. It's using legitimate tools that we IT guys use on a daily basis and use it against us. So we've seen cases where, let's say a company is fully protected. They got really great technology in there to, to, to detect hacks, block ransomware. All these things are, are good. But what happens is they get access to the system to a, a flaw that's been discovered, let's say yesterday, and the hackers have taken advantage of it. And once they've got into the system, they use a built-in encryption technology called BitLocker, which is part of Windows. So that's a legitimate tool. And what they can do is they can start BitLocking all these hundreds of computers in the company and ask them for $10,000 per computer to unlock them. So now it's like a $4 million bill. It gets out of control. And there's nothing they can do about it because it's a legitimate tool. 
there's a whole genre of content of people messing with scammers. They use virtual machines. Think of it like a wholly separate computer running on your computer, and they'll play along with what the perpetrator wants, live streaming or recording the whole interaction to see how long they can keep the scammer on the phone and how frustrated they can make them before they hang up. YouTuber Kip Boga honestly probably does this the best. I've devoted the past five years to learning how to make phone scammers absolutely crazy. It started with changing my voice. Then I was coding fake bank accounts and Google Play stores. Okay. Mom, why did you do this? Mom, why did you do this? Uh, hold on. Let me go ahead and do the next card for you then, Steve. And as I mentioned, this is a whole industry. There are call centers in places like India that hire people specifically to run these scams. It's not just one person, it's entire companies. A CBC News marketplace investigation has led now to the arrests of dozens of scammers in India, people who have built Canadians out of millions of dollars. Of course, there are individuals too with less than ideal intentions. A lot of the folks that are doing these scams are from countries that have a low monthly income. So let's say you're in some part of Russia and you're making $500 a month. So you can actually buy a ransomware kit or a scam kit or something from a group of hackers that actually give you 24 by 7 tech support. They even provide you a list of targets you can go after. Like everything's provided to you. Next, you know, you go out and scam a bunch of folks. Now, instead of making $500 a month, you're making $3,000 a month. And you, as the victim, you're not going to go and spend thousands of dollars in legal fees and law enforcement to try and get back your $500 in a country that they have no, no jurisdiction on. The law enforcement is looking at these as individual cases instead of one gigantic case. The other issue that they're having, too, is, is called attribution. They can't find out exactly who's behind the screen when this happened because there's so many ways to hide their tracks. That's why they ask for Bitcoin. Yes, you get to see whose wallet it goes into, but you don't know who owns that wallet. There's no face or number or, or name to that wallet. So when you get scammed 300,000 bucks, they're somehow able to walk into a bank and retrieve that money. It's, it's very, very difficult to pinpoint who's behind these scams exactly. I know North Korea has a huge hacking industry that has been behind a lot of major hacks, um, like siphoning money from banks even. <laughs> it's hard to actually arrest or hold the people accountable. See, what, uh, what I learned in Russia, that hacking is not illegal. It's obviously illegal if you try and hack your own government. That's illegal. But if you're going to hack another company or, or government in another country, it's not illegal for them. So now it's like, okay, prove it was us. Good luck. Because we, you know, they, use, they use software that, that don't leave any traces on it. And how are you supposed to put a face behind that type of crime? Who's the individual? You won't, you won't be able to know. Same as, if, same as if, if somebody inside a house gets scammed here in Canada and law enforcement shows up and there's eight people living in the house, well, who was it behind the screen? You know, they, there's a whole investigation that happens and it takes months to do. So law enforcement's desks are piling up with, with victims of fraud. So they're too busy going after murderers and such and they don't have time to deal with your $500 crime. So at the end of the day, it really does come down to you have to be responsible for your own online safety. Yes, you do. During the pandemic, there was a surge in the amount of money lost to scams. 
In fact, Scam Advisor looked at 43 countries and estimated that 47.8 billion US dollars were lost to scammers in 2021. With people moving online to do their shopping, work, and invest, there was suddenly a lot more marks and avenues to take to get people's cash. To put this into perspective, an estimated 139 million people reported being a victim in 2019. In 2020, that number almost doubled to 266 million. Beyond money, because obviously their primary tactic is looking for money, and I guess in some cases data, as you said, but what are like the results of these scams? What's often the fallout that a company or the individual will kind of have to face after becoming a victim of one of these these scams? So obviously ransomware is the biggest one. They're going to be faced with, with two challenges because a lot of times their backups get encrypted at the same time. So if their systems aren't properly secure, their backups will be encrypted during a ransomware attack, which means they have, no, they have no, nothing to fall back on. And sometimes they didn't test their backups, so their backups could be eight months old or longer. So a lot of companies can't live off of eight-month-old data. So they're going to be faced with a, with a choice. Hey, pay up or lose your business. And you know we've seen companies pay up millions of dollars, and next you know there had to be a layoff shortly after that. So there's real consequences to this stuff. And that's why it's very important that companies invest in user awareness training. So they know how to spot these scams and these phishing attacks and not let an attacker in. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we've seen companies where they got attacked with ransomware and this user obviously was not trained. The guy clicks on the attachment again, which means it ran a ransomware attack on top of the ransomware attack. And the guy just kept clicking it. The guy must have clicked it five, six times throughout the day, which means now the, the ransom has been has been six X'd now because you have to have one key to decrypt the other key to decrypt the other key. Um, so I think even the scammers were a bit like dumbfounded that this guy did this, but they got ransomed six times in a day. Because here's here's the other issue that's going on too, is that a lot of people use the same password everywhere online. And what happens is they'll register, let's say, um, an account with a real estate company. So instead of using their personal Gmail accounts, they start using their corporate email. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, that real estate company gets hacked. And because they used a really crappy password, that password got decoded. Now they're going to use some tools to log into every single website, like uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, your corporate email, to see if that email and password combination works. And once they get access to your system, they're going to take over your Instagram account, hold it hostage. They're going to log into your Facebook. They'll take over your email. They'll actually create what's called a business email compromise, which means they'll have access to your entire inbox. So if you're the CEO of a company, you most likely have sensitive information. So all these scams are happening right now. And you know that's why these, these services like dark web monitoring and all these things that we offer is so important because it helps gives you visibility into what's happening around your digital life. Do you think that people are a little more laissez-faire or not very they don't really acknowledge what's happening online they just because the internet is so integrated into our lives now are we not approaching the internet with the same weariness that we had when it was kind of brand new because i know like growing up um, i did have the internet in some regard i was kind of part of the generation that was building up to the internet we have nowadays and there seems to be a lot more care and a lot more instruction on how to approach stuff online. 
but I don't think we have that same weariness that we used to. You would know better than me. Now, that's a challenge I've been facing for the last 10 years at least. You know, I've been putting out a lot of content. I've got a lot of free content out there. I even have paid content. I have a book, the video course, a lot of that's free. All, and uh, people just don't feel the need for this stuff until it's too late. And I, like, I get calls from people that are crying. Oh, I got 30,000 followers on my Instagram. It got hacked. I'm like, but you've been a follower of mine for, for years. Why don't you, you know, I, I showed you how to do this in, in 60 seconds. This could have been resolved in 60 seconds. Yeah, I know. I just didn't think it would happen to me. Uh, or, or the other one is like, well, I, I, I haven't seen your posts, right? Because the algorithms on social media don't always display to everyone. So that's why I created the app. Because when I, when I have you in my app now, I can push notify you and you will get my message. What I really like about this app is that it allows for a crowdsourced crime fighting system uh, built into it. So let's say you are aware of a scam that, that our system hasn't picked up yet. So Jacqueline, something happened to you. Here's a scam. You say, Terry, you know what? This happened to me. Uh, I think this we should get the word out. Well, you can actually submit that results to us in the app. You send us the, the scam details and whatever. And then once we validate it and we think it's a good fit, we can actually push that out to the app community. And everybody will, 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 will be aware of it. After the break, we'll look at not only how people fall for these scams, but how you can protect yourself from potentially being someone's next victim. A lot of people believe that hacking involves someone in a dark room typing out lines of code to crack your email account and gain access to your computer. This is, for the most part, not correct. First off, I think most hackers probably have lights. Second, a lot of scams rely on human error. Someone clicking a link, replying to an email with sensitive information, or plugging in a USB they found on the ground out of curiosity. Why do people fall for these scams? Because it often is human error that leads to people getting into these traps. A lot of times with human nature, you know, we want to be as helpful as possible towards another human, right? But the scammers know this psychology trick. So they try to find ways to make the scam sound urgent and that we really need you to, you're like you're the key to help solve this issue. In a real example, we walked into um, a retail company. We looked for the uh, the least looking paid employee with his, with his headphones on that was stocking the shelves. And I was dressed casually. We had my laptop with me. I'm like, hey, we're, I'm, I'm from IT. I'm doing an upgrade on your system. Can you let me in the server room in the back? And uh, he's like, okay. <laughs> so he brings me to the back of the room, never asks me who I am, what I'm doing there. And I could see, okay, you brought me to the right place. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go for lunch with my with my um I'm gonna go for lunch. I'll come back with my colleagues who are also ethical hackers. So we went in there and uh, went back to the same guy and said and said, Yeah, okay, we're ready to start. Sure, no problem. Hands us the key and we go to the back and and, and start working. But obviously the IT management knows we're there, but these people don't. When we're in the lunchroom, we had all our equipment on all of the desks. Not one single employee can come in and eat have their lunch in the in the lunchroom. And not one person asked us what we're doing there, who we work for. We had no identification on us. And within three hours, compromised the whole company from a store. So it's very important that you um, really pay attention to who you're letting into your company, right? Make sure they have ID, make sure they have authorization. On the social engineering side for individuals, you know, there's, no, there's always going to be some type of urgency in the, type of, in the emails. You know, let's take an example of the 419 scam. 
the 419 scam was the old Nigerian scam where, you know, you have the prince from Nigeria has money to give you, or sorry, has gold to give you, but needs your money to unlock it. But now they've gone a step further where they've actually used genealogy websites to look at your past. And they could see that, hey, you may have had a relative from 1893 who was a gold miner and may have left some riches behind. So they'll actually use that information in there. So this way, when you go and check it up yourself, you're like, hey, wait a minute, I did have an Uncle Bill back in the day. And, you know, they fall for it. <laughs> I like how they're using gene <laughs> genealogy reports to uh, add that extra layer of, I guess, believability, plausibility to what they're trying to pass by you. Because we all know about the Nigerian prince scam, I feel like that is that is a tried and true trope at this point in time. So it's interesting that people are still essentially falling for it in this day and age, just with different drippings on it. But the Roma, I'm seeing more and more of the romance scam now. Again, it's like it's made its way back. I guess with like dating apps like Tinder and Bumble and OkCupid, like all of them are, are kind of setting up a new world for romance scams to really take off. Yeah, I mean, like when I, when I interview people that, that have fallen for these scams, pretty much every single one of them has never seen the other person on video. It's always been chat or email. And they fall in love with them over, over, over these, messages, these systems. They've never even spoken to the person before. And you're thinking, who on earth could possibly fall for this? And that's the thing. When you, you know, when you're, when you're desperate and you're in love and all these things, it's like you go blind. And, um, you know, people all around you could be telling you it's a scam, but they just don't believe them. So with cyber scams becoming more sophisticated, you might be wondering how exactly you can protect yourself, your loved ones, and your company from falling into one of these online traps. Because sometimes you need to do more than just be aware. A lot of these things could be avoided with just, with just two-step verification alone. Every service you have has it, has that capability. It's not on by default because it, it could be a bit complex. If you're really, really not tech savvy, you know, you, you, it's going to really bother you to get a passcode on your phone every time you try to log in or try to use the service. But you have to get used to it because these are ways that hackers are going to uh, help try bypass it and get access to your account. Two-factor has saved my butt a few times, so I will happily take the 10 seconds to tap yes on my phone that it is me or type in the code, whatever I have to do. There's it's even a double that. safety on that too, because if your password leaked on the dark web and somebody got access to your Instagram account, for example, and you had two-step verification turned on, you'd get a random message on your phone saying, here's your, here's your two-step verification for Instagram. Like, well, I didn't ask for this. Now, you, now that's a red flag that somebody has your password. Go in and change your password. Even if it's for a completely random website that I, I don't necessarily care about. Saying like someone from Dubai is trying to hack into your Spotify account. It's like, okay, <laughs> like now I have right. to go change my password. They obviously didn't get in because I'm seeing the email saying, if you're getting this and it wasn't you, don't worry. It's like, I am worrying. <laughs> I'm going to go That's change it. my password now. Well, imagine, like I said, go, you know, going back to the example where if somebody was able to spoof Microsoft and sent you a message saying, hey, your, your Hotmail account is at risk, click here to reset your password. And you go and click it, you know, you might, you might get a sense that, oh my God, somebody's after my account. I got I to gotta click it, give away my username and password. And now the hacker is going to see that in real time and log in and take control before you get it. Yeah, that's why I always just go directly to the website because that's really the only way that I can ensure that it's, it's the actual website. Exactly. And then even then, I don't know anymore. <laughs> don't click links in your emails for that. Just go right to the site. You should have the notification there too. 
that's really, really the only way to make sure that it's not a shady link in the email. Usually you can tell if it's something like a scam based on the spelling and the grammar or what they're like actually asking for. Like it's probably not a long lost cousin in need of financial assistance. You've taken precautions. You don't click shady links or reply to unknown people. You double check the email addresses and you don't give remote access on your computer to people who say they're from IT. You thought you did everything right, but somehow you've fallen victim. So after you're done panicking, what exactly are you supposed to do? It, we're so interconnected now in the digital world that when bad things happen, you, you, you got to have a way to you know, get, get back up as quickly as possible. When you look at some of the older folks, you know, you talk about, hey, did you, do, did you install two-step verification? Uh, nah, I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, my, my son, the IT guy, has it covered. They don't want to spend 60 seconds to learn how to activate it. That's what the, that's the frustrating part. It's like, why are you coming to cry to me after you've had this information for years in advance? And once the account gets taken over and, and the scammer is asking for $600 or thousands of dollars, whatever they're going to be, how do you expect us to get the account back when it's been taken over? You're trying to, you have to be proactive for this stuff or else there's really nothing that you can actually do. There's no way to Correct reverse it or just st- change the password and get it back like they have it um there was an interesting scam that happened uh, a year or so ago what happened was she was a victim of the poured out scam and this one was pretty cool so she's pretty tech savvy she had two-step verification on all of her accounts except for one which was her hotmail address and her hotmail is only used for junk mail so what happened was her password leaked onto the dark web they got into her her, her account and saw all of her security questions and they somehow got into her TELUS account. And they were able to transfer her service from TELUS to Bell. And when they did that, all of her two-step verification questions got linked over. So which means they got into her banking account. They got into her, her Amazon. They bought some stuff. They went into PayPal. They, they also drained her bank accounts. And they did this on a Friday night after 5 p.m., which means she would have had to wait till next business day you know, to get access to her to like a, a at a bank, because this was during the pandemic, and uh, all the banks and stuff were closed, so you couldn't really go in person. You had to make an appointment, so it was very, very, very uh, stressful for her. Before we finished, I asked Harry how he thinks cybercrime will evolve in the future. A hard thing to predict, but he's seen enough in his career to have an idea of where it might go. I think it's going to be really horrible. Deep fakes will definitely be part of this. And I think the AI, I mean, imagine, hey, Google, go and hack uh, Amazon. And this thing goes and pulls together all these bots and does it for you. You know, could you imagine that? I think it's going to be scams like that where it's going to be heavily automated. More computers will be infected, but then they'll be used in crimes that they didn't even know they were a part of. Like the computers will be affected and then that computer will be pulled into doing more scams that the owner of the computer isn't aware of? Correct. Yeah. So it's being part of a what's called a botnet. Let's say you clicked on links you weren't supposed to, or whatever, and your computer becomes uh, like infected without your knowledge. And you have what's called a bot master that controls all these infected computers. And he can go around and say, okay, all of you millions of computers, go and attack this website. Next, you know, all these computers are talking to that website and causes a denial of service attack, which knocks the website offline. So you can, your computer can be part of that type of crime without your knowledge. I feel like I just have to uh, never go on the internet again after this conversation. <laughs> Download the Fraudster app. A lot of that includes in there. <laughs> Done. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> and 
And speaking of the Fraudster app, are there any plugs you would like our audience to know? Where can they find you? What they what do they need to get? Where should they go if they want to keep up with you? Sure. So the app is absolutely free. Um, you can go to either their, their local app store, so into Google or, or, um, or Apple, type in Fraudster or Terry Cutler or Psyology. Uh, it'll pop up there. But if they want to see more of the features, they head over to uh, www.fraudsterapp.com. That's where they'll see that. And there'll be links to the uh, app stores as well from there. Our lives are intrinsically tied to the internet. It's difficult to be completely off the grid. And even if you manage it, there's a lot you can't participate in without access to the online world. Because we're so used to the internet, I feel that people have gotten a little complacent in how we approach things online. Of course, digital literacy is higher than it used to be, and we're not throwing safety completely out the window, but we don't approach the internet with the same hesitancy we used to when it was new. We're familiar with it, and because of that, it's become like an extension to us. There are some things we just do without thinking online, a human flaw that people with malicious intentions can exploit. Scammers and hackers aren't going anywhere, so it does come down to the individual user to really protect themselves. But that knowledge needs to be taught by schools and companies specifically so that individual users don't fall victim to these scams. So at the end of the day, just remember how much of your life is tied to the digital world before you click the link in that weird email. Thank you for listening to Technality, a Narcity Media podcast. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. To learn more about Terry's company and how to protect yourself online, check out the show notes. And to never miss out on where your future is headed, subscribe to Technality wherever you listen to your podcast. And for more technology content, head over to Technality Socials.